Hey, thank you so much. How rude. Turn off your phone, amateur. Sorry about that. As I was saying, thank you so much for joining me today on The Shaleen Show. This is a topic that should be interesting to all but 3% of my audience. How to stop your cravings. Welcome to The Shaleen Show. Shaleen is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Cravings. How do you stop cravings? I mean, if you didn't crave certain foods, don't you think controlling your weight would be so much easier? A recent survey reported that a whopping 97% of women and 68% of men reported experiencing some form of craving for a particular food at least once during the year. The survey kind of makes me laugh. The 97% not a surprise. That 97% of women say at some point during the course of the last 12 months they craved something that's like really we needed a survey for that. I mean, I think Probably, if people were being honest, 97% of people would say at least at some point during every day, you have a craving for something, right? And who are these men, the 32% of men who over the course of an entire year say they never once craved anything? Is that possible? You know what? Who cares? Who really cares if some people experience no cravings? The fact of the matter is, regardless of statistics, It's an issue for you. And I want to help you understand in this episode, the science behind cravings. Because I think, as with all things, if you understand how your body works, then you begin to understand why these cravings happen. And once you understand that, you can take back control. You can understand how to curb these cravings, how to control them, how to stop them. Specifically, the cravings that we have for carbohydrates, for sugary foods, for processed foods, for the foods that we know are not improving our health. Let's talk about first what a craving is. A craving is something very different from hunger, true hunger. Now, we use these words sometimes interchangeably, like, oh, I'm really hungry for a fill-in-the-blank. And it's not that you're actually hungry, like you don't have that sensation of an empty stomach of a bottomless pit where you're getting weak and tired and you've run out of energy. That's true hunger. It's physiological. But we often will use that word, I'm hungry for, when really what we mean is we have an appetite for or we are craving something. And that is often a combination of a physiological and a psychological response, which is to say there is definitely something happening physically. It's not all in your mind. It's not just that you're thinking about a Twinkie, so you feel like you must eat a Twinkie or you're hungry for a Twinkie. It's not just a mental state. There is a physiological reason why you're craving, desiring, or hungry for this particular food. Now, until recently, we didn't fully understand what causes us to crave certain foods. Foods that, if our bodies are as smart as we're told they are, it doesn't really make sense that they, that our super smart body would crave something that didn't promote health, that wasn't good for us. But recent research ties a lot of these cravings to the gut microbiome. That's a term you've been hearing a lot here on The Shaleen Show because it's something we've really begun to understand relates to your health. So when you're talking about getting healthy, about getting fit, about living your best possible life, 
I now today realize something I didn't realize more than two years ago, and that is it's just impossible to be a healthy individual, define yourself as a healthy individual and have an unhealthy gut because it is your gut microbiome that is responsible for your immune system. So if your immune system is compromised by a weakened or thinning gut lining or leaky gut, if you will, or even dysbiosis, it's going to compromise a lot of different areas of your health, and you might not even realize it. But we now know that gut microbes actually play a significant role in influencing the physiological response you have to food, like why you crave certain foods. And because our microbes that are inside the gut microbiome have evolved with us and they're constantly dependent upon what it is you're eating, our dietary substances, and what it is that we put into them, whatever bacterias are growing need more of that bacteria-making substance to continue to survive and to thrive. So when we talk about having a smart body, remember that your smart body is trying to keep things alive. And sometimes that means good bacteria and bad bacteria. And it's often the bad bacteria in our gut that we're basically fertilizing it because it's what we crave. And it's what we crave because the bad bacteria need more of those substances, the things that are high in sugar, that are easily fermentable, things that keep that bad bacteria in your gut alive. So it's not just in your head. It's not just a habit that you you like this salty, carbohydrate, processed bag of whatever. Your gut is saying, we want to keep this bacteria alive and therefore we need more of that thing. I'm sure you've had this happen before where you'll eat something that you haven't eaten in a long time and then you're like, gosh, I haven't even thought about that food in years. And then you have some and the next day you wake up and you're like, ah, it's the only thing you can think about. You're like, I really need that bag of blah, blah, blah. I need it. I'm craving it. And you just keep eating it and eating it and eventually... It's not that the craving goes away. Eventually, you're just like, I can't do this. And you stop buying it. You stop going to get it, hopefully. But what if you don't? What if you keep giving into that craving? Well, what's happening in your gut microbiome, we now know is a vicious circle. This happens because of the different microbes that are in your, your gut microbiome. Now, these microbes, I want you to think of them as bacteria. I mean, they are living organisms, and many of them can grow on a variety of, of foods, if you will, or, or nutrients that you consume. But they can conserve more energy in breaking down certain nutrients if they're getting kind of what they need, what's easier for them to grow and to thrive. And for many of the bad bacteria, that happens to be carbohydrate sources, things that are high in sugar. And these microbes actually require like a lot of the substance in order to grow and reproduce. So when you're thinking about it being in your mind, here's what I want you to know. The brain and the gut are actually connected. In fact, your gut is often referred to in the medical profession as your second brain. And your brain and your gut are connected through the gut-brain access. Now, this isn't like a physical access or like a door or anything, but rather that's a term that you'll hear that describes the relationship between your intestines and your brain. Okay, do you have the same weird visual that I have? Like my intestines and my brain are connected? Not really. They're connected in a different way. They're connected first from a circulatory standpoint. So they're connected via the circulatory system. 
And we've known that for many hundreds of years, that normal, hormonal, neuronal, and inflammated-related signals are constantly being relayed between our gut, yes, our intestines, and our brain. And this happens in our bloodstream. And we now know that the enteric nervous system is also connected directly to the brainstem via your vagus nerve. Now, your vagus nerve acts as kind of like a super highway or like a direct phone connection, if you will, between your gut and your brain. I know this is really weird, but if you think about it this way, how can I put this pleasantly? When you've had to very urgently find a restroom, like there is a, there has to be an immediate connection between your gut and your brain. Your gut needs to say, hey, brain, can you tell the body to find a location immediately where there is indoor plumbing? That is the brain-gut connection. All right, let's get back to cravings. So if you think about the way kind of an addict craves their drug, whatever that is, and maybe you're addicted to food, then you know that it's not always about hunger. It's about this feeling and it becomes more mental than physical, right? Like where you're like, I just don't feel like I can rest or that I'm going to be happy until I get my drug, whatever that is. So if you think about an addiction or craving in terms of an addiction, And what we know about the brain is that it has neurotransmitters. Did you know, though, that 50% of your body's dopamine, and you know what dopamine is, it's that feeling, that high that so many of us can become addicted to. Well, okay, now get this. You know that dopamine and serotonin produced naturally in your body, they should be produced naturally in your body. They are responsible for regulating a lot of things like mood and happiness, right? Like, If you get too much dopamine or not enough dopamine, you're going to experience mood swings. The same is true of serotonin. And most people think of these things happening in the brain, but did you know that more than 50% of your body's dopamine is actually produced in your gut? And 90, yeah, 90% of your body's serotonin is produced in your gut. And both dopamine and serotonin are known to have a direct correlation on regulating behaviors, specifically behaviors that make us happy or behaviors that soothe an addiction, behaviors like eating. In other words, dopamine and serotonin, when out of balance, can create intense cravings, food cravings, and it all starts in your gut. All of this is going to help you curb your own cravings, I promise you. This is all going to come together before the end of this podcast. I give you my word. Okay, so there is this driving force inside your gut microbiome that is telling your brain that you need more of this bad food, and so you're, you're craving it, and you feel like that craving feels like hunger sometimes. Hunger and appetite are regulated by our hormones, specifically leptin, ghrelin, neuropeptide Y, and insulin. We're going to talk about those first three today as it relates to cravings. Let's start with leptin first. Okay. And I want you to remember these. Leptin starts with an L, and I want you to think of the word limiting, which also starts with an L, or leveling, because it is our leptin that basically becomes like a thermostat for your hunger. Leptin's primary responsibility is to release fat cells that act on your brain and tell your body how much energy to take in. 
When the amount of calories or food or energy that you're taking in equals the amount that your brain is being told, then leptin says, okay, we're good. Let's start signaling this person to feel full. So it's leptin that helps you level off or limit the amount of food and energy that you're taking in because it signals the brain. And if you've ever experienced like a month or a couple of years or whatever, a decade maybe, where you just felt like you were never full, like you keep eating because you're like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't feel full. That is not all in your head. That's because you have a hormonal imbalance. You see, these hormones can be so out of balance that they no longer signal the brain in the way that they were meant to. The next most common and most important hormone for you to regulate when it comes to your hunger is ghrelin. Think of the word ghrelin as like a growling gremlin. Like it's this little teeny tiny gremlin that's telling you, we're hungry, we're hungry, we're hungry. If leptin signals your brain that you're full, it's ghrelin that signals your brain that we need to eat or we don't need to eat. It's essentially what controls your appetite. And the third hunger hormone that you should be aware of is NPY, which stands for neuropeptide Y. Now, this is a hormone that is just as powerful and just as strong and just as creepy. <laughs> I shouldn't say a hormone's creepy. It's, it can be equally as evil as ghrelin. It can be far stronger than ghrelin. And its primary trigger for releasing is, get this, calorie restriction. And specifically, when you start experiencing low levels of leptin, in other words, when the hormone leptin starts malfunctioning, it's no longer telling the brain that you're full or you've had enough, and that leptin level is low, neuropeptide Y kicks into overdrive. Neuropeptide Y has a couple of different functions, as do most hormones, but one of its most basic or primary responsibilities is kind of telling your body what to do and where to store this extra energy. Do we store it as fat? Do we store it in the liver? Do we store it in the muscles? So basically, when you've got high levels of neuropeptide Y, it's not only going to cause you to store food as fat, it's also going to delay the cues to your brain that you're full. Now, I could have started this podcast off by giving you several tips on how to reduce cravings, but unless you really understand how your body works, you're just following dumb rules and you, you don't know why. Once you begin to understand the way your body works, you're in charge. You're no longer blindly following a set of rules and wondering if it works or why it's working or why it's not working. When you know better, you can do better. In order to stop or at least curb cravings for carbohydrates and other foods that just make you crave more carbohydrates, more foods that are processed and frankly not good for you, the way that we do that is by regulating our hormones and improving the health and diversity of our gut microbiome. Let me just cut to the chase and give you the easy ones first. And you probably have heard these a million times before. Nonetheless, I'm going to repeat them because sometimes it's just, it's the right day. You've heard it a million times, but today you heard it and it made sense. They are, number one, sleep. When you are sleep deprived, your hormones get out of whack. When you're sleep deprived, your ghrelin kicks into overdrive, leptin is lowered, and neuropeptide Y is increased. Not good. Dopamine is decreased. Serotonin is decreased. And what do we do to fix these things? Crave foods. 
You know this to be true. Think about the last time you you were operating on like three hours of sleep. What is it you were craving? Like a blueberry muffin with crumbled sugar on top, right? Like you just, you crave carbs. There's a reason why. Your body is so smart, but it's also so delicate. It is one of the most sensitive machines and we treat it so poorly. We put the cheapest gasoline in it. We don't park it in the garage. We don't take care of it. If you're not giving yourself proper rest, I promise you, you will crave more carbohydrates and foods that throw your hormones out of whack. Next, of course, is stress. Yes, you've heard that before too. That's great, Shalene. Wonderful. Do you think I like being stressed? See, I get it. And I know that this particular, you know, lifestyle tip on how to decrease cravings is kind of, well, it's futile. I tell you to reduce stress and you're like, that's, that's wonderful. Can you come over here and clean my house and also help me get through this divorce and figure out how I'm going to survive my 15-year-old daughter? Like stress is something you're not going to fix after listening to one podcast. Stress is something you fix by approaching all the important areas of your life, by approaching the area of your relationships, by looking at how much clutter you have in your home, by taking a look at where you are disconnected from your partner. Stress is reduced by evaluating what you're doing for a living. It's like, it's everything. So I'm going to put it out there, but I'm really serious. I always tell people, if you want to lose weight, instead of like going on a diet, you need to put your life on a diet. Like do less, focus on fewer things, reduce stress, and you will reduce your waistline without ever having to go on a diet. If we're thinking of stress as a long-term protocol, right? Like that, that's something you're not going to fix today. You can start to fix it today. I'd like to give you some things that you can legitimately fix today. You can make a huge difference in your overall appetite and the cravings that you experience. Here they are. Number one, we've got to address the hormones and you can address the hormones very easily, two different ways. The first is a type of food that you eat and the second is when you eat. And the third is not restricting calories. When you restrict calories, that throws your hunger hormones into overdrive, which is why dumb diets are dumb and don't work which is why in the 131, we don't count calories. You do not count calories. Calories are a myth. Hopefully you heard that episode, but you understand how freeing it is once you understand that the whole misconception of calories and the concept of calories was developed in the 1800s by burning food to ash. And we haven't improved upon that methodology in hundreds of years. It's ludicrous. Two people don't burn food at the same rate as a flame does. It just doesn't even make sense. So scrap calories, stop worrying about counting them or restricting them, and instead focus on when you eat versus how much you're eating. If your objective is to reduce cravings, I highly encourage you to consider practicing time-restricted eating, which is just a fancy way of saying You don't need to eat all day. Pick a shortened window. Pick a time by which you're going to have your first meal and a time at which you're going to have your last meal and just eat within those hours as opposed to waking up at 6 a.m. and having a big breakfast and then a meal two hours later and then a meal two hours later and then a snack two hours later and then a meal two hours later and two hours later and then you finish off the night with a glass of wine and then another glass of wine and then a handful of stuff from the pantry. That is 
horrible for your hunger hormones. You do that, and I promise you'll wake up the next day. You'll probably wake up in the middle of the night starving. And the reason why this causes you to crave more foods is, number one, because obviously you're feeding the bad bacteria in your gut, and they're signaling your brain, that brain-gut connection, they're signaling your brain that they need more of those things in order to stay alive and to thrive. And the other reason why this is happening is because you're eating so often that your hunger hormones, it's almost like they've become numb to the signaling, and they're not signaling properly anymore. So you never feel full. And we want to feel full, right? So we're we're always searching for that one more bite, that one more thing that will suddenly make us feel satisfied. Instead, regulate your hormones by limiting the number of hours you eat within. Notice I didn't say by limiting the amount of food that you eat. Just set a time tomorrow that you're going to eat and make it an hour later than what you normally do. And then look at what time you normally are done eating and drinking for the night and make that an hour earlier and just keep reducing and shrinking that window until you're down to about an eight to 12 hour window. It's something again that I teach you how to follow this methodology or how to practice it and how to phase it inside the 131. Because frankly, if you're thinking of this as intermittent fasting as a way of life, anything that you do indefinitely your body is going to adapt, so you need to learn how to phase it. And the last tip that I have for you today to stop cravings is to do it with food. It's not how much food you're eating. It's what type of food that you're eating. And here's what you need to understand. Foods that are either high in sugar or foods that convert easily to sugar are going to push your hormone levels, your hunger hormone levels through the roof. Think about the last time you had a high sugar day. Maybe it was a holiday, someone's birthday, and you just consumed a lot more sugar than you normally do. I'll bet you woke up the next day ravenously hungry, like so hungry, and it doesn't even make sense because you're like, gosh, I, I ate so late or I ate a lot yesterday. I don't know why I'm so hungry today. Well, that's not just in your mind. It's in your mind and it's in your body, and it is the result of both your gut microbiome and your hormones. The appropriate intervention is to change the type of food that you're eating. So if you simply switch to foods that are very low in sugar, looking at the sugar content, looking at the carbohydrate content. Now, not all carbs are bad, but carbs are not something that our ancestors had in abundance. It's something we've overdone in modern age and our hormones haven't adapted We're not meant to eat as many carbohydrates as we are served up in commercials and on the end caps of grocery aisles. So if you're really serious about ending your cravings or at least having the ability to control and to curb them, you've got to get really serious about the amount of sugar and carbohydrates that you're taking in. Now, one way to do that and not feel like you're being restricted is to increase your intake of healthy fats. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about putting you on an Atkins-type plan or eating 80% fat, as is the case with many ketogenic diets. While a ketogenic dietary approach or even a modified Atkins approach, while those things will, in fact, help you to curb and control your cravings, that's not a way to eat for the rest of your life. It's something that you can phase to teach your body how to let go of these cravings, to improve the health of your gut. 
and in some cases to transition your metabolic process through the Krebs cycle from that of a sugar burner to someone who's burned through their glucose and glycogen, or at least most of your reserves, and are now using ketones, which is stored body fat, as your primary fuel source. When you do that, it's amazing what happens to your appetite and your cravings. They pretty much go away. Now, to be honest, to be clear, we don't have a lot of research looking at the long-term effects of staying in a ketogenic or fat-burning state. What we do know, however, is there are tremendous benefits from phasing your diet. Most importantly, a reduction in hunger hormones. Hallelujah! So there you have it. Now you understand how cravings work. You now know it's not just in your head. It's in your head and it's in your body. Specifically, it's in your gut. You also know how you can begin to modify the way that you eat, how often you eat, and how you take care of your body to help control and virtually stop craving carbs and crappy foods. You are a beautiful individual. You are meant to live a life that's happy and healthy and full. You you should be waking up every day and feel amazing. You shouldn't have to be thinking about food 24-7 or how you're going to avoid eating fill in the blank. Like It should not have the grip on you that it does. And I know it's hard for you to believe that's possible. You think there's something different about you. I'm telling you, it is not your fault. This is something that can be fixed. And it makes such a huge difference. The fix becomes permanent when you understand it. And so many diets out there and so many other programs are like, do this, do this, do this. And they don't tell you why. I mean, hello, you listen to podcasts. You listen to this podcast. So you are smarter than your average bear, which is why I encourage you to learn more about your body. If you understand how your body works, you won't feel like you have to follow rules. You won't be at the mercy of what someone tells you to do. You'll understand what you need to do. And that is my wish for you. That is my mission. It's what I want for everyone. Listen, I really value the time that we get to spend together. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for sharing the podcast with a friend. And that's what I'm going to encourage you to do today. So if this was valuable to you or any of the podcasts you've listened to before on The Shalene Show were valuable to you, my only ask is that you click the little share button. And then when it pulls up the options, I just want you to text message it to a friend and say, hey, you should listen to the show because sharing is caring. And I care very much about you. So thank you so much for sharing the show. I love you. You are the bomb.com. This edition of The Shalene Show was brought to you by 131 Movement. Stop dieting. Save your brain. Save your gut. Live longer. Feel better. Stop going on a diet or following somebody else's rules and figure out what it means to have your own diet. Figure out a method that actually serves you, that helps you to be a better version of yourself. Let go of all of this craziness and confusion that surrounds diet and understand the science, the science of one, the study of one. Join the 131 movement today. We're taking back the word diet and getting what we are rightfully entitled to, which is our health. You deserve not just to look amazing, but to feel amazing. I'd love for you to learn more about my personal journey and why this is a true passion for me. I invite you to learn more by going to 131movement.com.